from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Sean Kelly once again with you from Studio B at 5800 Airline Drive. Hope you're having a great Wednesday already, and uh, welcome into No Appointment Radio. We've got a couple of things on our plate here today, of course, focusing in on the NBA and the NFL. And uh, we'll start with the NBA and the sports world still, well, really more than the sports world, uh, still buzzing uh, at yesterday's announcement from NBA Commissioner Adam Silver regarding the future for now former uh, Clippers owner. Well, not quite yet, but uh, I guess we're, we're there now with regard to Donald Sterling. But yesterday, the NBA commissioner banning Sterling for life from all activities related to the Clippers and the NBA, and that includes attendance at games and practices, and now we're urging the, uh, the NBA owners to come up with enough votes uh, to uh, vote him out as an owner and force him to sell. So... Huge news with massive impacts across the NBA and really across the culture of our country yesterday. And again, uh, if you did not uh, hear, uh, while a lot of uh, NBA teams did uh, send out a statement, uh, you can include Tom Benson and the New Orleans Pelicans in that mix. Uh, The uh, statement read like this from Mr. Benson yesterday. uh, In light of the serious matter facing our league, a matter that transcends sports, the New Orleans Pelicans fully support the decisions made today by NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and will fully support his recommendations moving forward. Enough said there and enough said by the commissioner yesterday, and so hopefully uh, some healing and resolution uh, still to come with regard to that situation regarding Donald Sterling. Then on the floor last night, an emotional Staples Center saw the Los Angeles Clippers take now a 3-2 series lead over the Warriors in that best-of-seven round-one playoff series. So now that gets interesting as that series moves back to Oakland and a must-win situation for the Warriors. And we have a similar situation now between the Thunder and the Grizzlies. As for the fourth straight time in that series, those two teams go to overtime. The Grizzlies win it at OKC and now can win the series in Game 6 at Memphis. But I'm not so sure I'm ready to count Kevin Durant and the Thunder out just yet. But again, that's also a 3-2 situation. And then lo and behold, the Washington Wizards take care of the Chicago Bulls and win their first uh, postseason series, I think for the first time since 05. And so that kind of gets us up to speed uh, with regard to the NBA playoffs last night. We're going to talk more about the NBA, the playoffs, the Pelicans, uh, as well with Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com a little later on today's uh, Black and Blue Report. And believe it or not, we are now uh, just a week and a day away from the start of the NFL draft. And so I'm sure you're catching a lot of coverage league-wide. Um, and our coverage next week will be extensive here on this program with regard to the New Orleans Saints. But we're getting close to the end of our, uh, to the end of our NFL draft preview series here this week. And we're going to check in with two more teams today, the Philadelphia Eagles, who pick at number 22, and the Cincinnati Bengals, who will select at number 24. So we'll do 22 and 24, Eagles and Bengals today, of course, 
Uh, there is plenty of connection between the Saints and the Eagles here in recent history, and the Bengals will be here in November to take on the New Orleans Saints. So we'll welcome in Bo Wolf and Dan Horde to the program as well today. Stay with us again. NBA Talk with Jim Eichenhofer and NFL Draft Preview Series for you on the podcast for the Saints and the Pelicans today. You can always follow this program on Twitter and get the latest lineups and lineup changes at Black Blue Report, and I'll keep you updated as we get into the next week on Twitter with regard to the NFL Draft and my personal Twitter account, at Sean Kelly Live. Stay with us, won't you? Daniel Sowerson's alongside in Studio B. I'm Sean Kelly, and we'll jump right in after this. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get text messages with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features, plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Here's a valuable lesson I've learned as an Intergy customer. Saving energy saves you money. And the online videos at intergysavings.com show you how. A few simple projects can make a big difference in your bill. In just a few hours, I knocked my monthly bill down by 20%. It was easy. From caulking windows to programming your thermostat, the Intergy videos walk you through it. Visit EntergySavings.com and start saving today. That's the power of people. Intergy. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Time to continue our NFL Draft Preview Series, and we'll check in today with a couple of NFL teams, starting here with the Philadelphia Eagles, who will select the number 22. They have five total picks in the draft. They had six. Uh, one goes to the Saints, of course, in that recent deal. But uh, to help us uh, put a finger on what Philadelphia is trying to do, or at least take the pulse of what the Eagles are trying to do here in this offseason, notably between free agency and draft, is Bo Wolf from PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Bo, good morning. We hope that the weather is uh, perhaps uh, getting to be more spring-like there in Philadelphia. Well, you're catching us at a bad time. It's, a, it's an absolute downpour outside, but uh, better weather ahead, we think. Yeah, I think that we're all ready for that, too, down here after we've gotten through uh, some of this bad southern weather over the last couple of days. We are uh, days away here, Bo, from the NFL draft and the Eagles are, uh, we'll be on the clock as we get toward the uh, second half of the first round. Let's talk about what perhaps they've been able to accomplish through free agency and how much did they have to go after after a pretty successful season under Chip Kelly? Well, that's a good question. And I think, uh, you know, the mantra under, under Howie Roseman the last couple of years uh, is not anything you haven't heard before, but uh, filling the holes in free agency so that the team is free to take the best player available uh, in each round. Uh, come draft time. Now, you mentioned they've got six picks. Of course, they sent one pick away to the Saints for, for Darren Sproles, uh, mm-hmm. so that, that got uh, got rid of one of them. But um, otherwise, obviously, the big news was the departure of Deshaun Jackson. The the corollary to that is that they re-signed Jeremy Macklin and Riley Cooper. Jeremy Macklin, who tore his ACL last summer, uh, the team is very excited about what he can do in this offense, uh, in this Chip Kelly offense. Of course, a, a former first-round pick who's uh, been very successful when healthy here. Um, and then the, the other big moves, uh, you know, they made uh, another Saints signing. So you, you can tell us uh, more than we can tell you about Malcolm Jenkins and, and what he's going <laughs> to bring to this Eagles uh, secondary. Um, they signed Nolan Carroll, uh, a corner who's probably going to be the third outside corner. They signed two guys last year who both started um, pretty much 
every game, Bradley Fletcher and, and Kerry Williams. So uh, I think the Eagles need to um, – they're looking to improve the defense, but but uh, once again, I think uh, best player available is, is where they're focused at 22, and obviously they've been linked uh, to almost every receiver in the draft outside of, of Sammy Watkins at this point. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out next Thursday. It is interesting, and and like so many teams, Bo, that we've talked to, wide receiver is a hot commodity. It seems to be deep in this draft. Uh, Marquise Lee's name has been thrown around, not only with in association with you all, but to New Orleans at some extent at, at pick number twenty-seven. Um, let's start with the defensive side first. If if you already have, you know, as we mentioned, Malcolm Jenkins coming over. Um, if if there are still things that need to be taken care of on the Philadelphia side of the defense, what is it? Or better yet, in your eyes, how will uh, how will Howie and Chip look at best players available on the defensive side of the draft? Well, it's a great question, and and I think there are a multitude of positions on defense where the Eagles couldn't could use a, an injection of talent. Uh, you start at safety; they've got Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, right now, the other safeties penciled in are either Nate Allen, who they re-signed to a, to a one-year deal, or Earl Wolf, who was a fifth-round pick last season out of NC State, started a few games as a rookie and impressed, uh, but certainly he's, he's an unproven commodity. So I think the names you're talking about at safety in the first round, at least, are uh, basically Hashawn Clinton-Dix, the, uh, the Alabama safety, and it looks like there's a chance he probably won't be there at 22. Um, Calvin Pryor's in that area as well, maybe even Jimmy Ward of, of Northern Illinois, but I think Clinton-Dix is... Uh, the guy who who stands atop that board, uh, at corner uh, they they've got players. Brandon Boykin, their nickel corner, uh, is probably one of the more uh, ascending talents on the team. Led the team in interceptions last season, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they if they took a corner as well if, if he was at the top of their board. You're talking about uh, guys like Kyle Fuller from Virginia Tech, Bradley Roby from Ohio State, and and maybe Justin Gilbert or, or Darquise Denard as well. I think the biggest uh, need for the defense is is probably an outside pass rusher. Uh, Trent Cole is a, is a traditional 4-3 defensive end, did a great job last season moving uh, to outside linebacker. And Connor Barwin, who they signed last year in free agency from the Texans, had a great season. But they could definitely use uh, an injection of, of talented pass rusher. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's a strong area in the draft at 22. I think there are guys at the top of the board, obviously, Khalil Mack and, and Judean Clowney, and then guys in the second, third-round area. The only guy who sort of is, is circled there at 22, if he falls, is Anthony Barr. And it's been a weird draft season for Anthony Barr. It seems like he was projected at the top five pick, and now uh, it sounds like there's a, a possibility that, that he could fall to 22. Uh, inside linebacker, the Eagles are, are well-suited uh, with D'Amico Ryans and Michael Kendricks, but C.J. Mosley, the Alabama linebacker, is uh, another player who you could see if he falls to 22. You could see a scenario where he would be the best player on, on the board for the Eagles. The one position where I, I would be surprised if they took in the first round defensively is defensive end, uh, that 3-4 that defensive end, because they've got two guys I like a lot in Fletcher Cox, a former first-round pick, and Cedric Thornton. Nose tackle, though, uh, that is an area where, where they could certainly use some help. Benny Logan uh, was their third-round pick last year, and he's, he's a starter right now. And, and Benny Logan had a great rookie season, uh, but, but certainly they could use uh, a little bit of depth there as well. So uh, definitely a lot of options on, on defense at 22. Very thorough there, Bo Wolf from PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And he answered one of my questions, which would be, um, what would maybe surprise you at twenty at uh, twenty two? And 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 like you said, maybe maybe something like an, uh, a linebacker or defensive end, which would would normally, I guess, be saved for later rounds. But perhaps you know that would be the surprise that the Eagles did pull one there. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, under Andy Reid for so long. 
there was there was a lot of crowing from Eagles fans that they would never take a linebacker in the first round. So it would be uh, not like not ironic, but it would be uh, interesting if they did use a first round pick on, especially an inside linebacker like C.J. Mosley. A lot of people love trade action. We saw a lot of it last year uh, in the NFL draft. Are the Eagles in a position to play a part in that game, or do they want to stay and hold there at twenty-two? I would be I would be very surprised if they moved up in this draft, especially in the first round, because they only have six picks, and because Howie Roseman and and we think Chip Kelly uh, think this is a very strong draft, and they, I think it's more likely that they'd be looking to add more picks. So. Uh, you talk about you know the teams like the the 49ers in the back end of the first round who might be looking to move up. I think it's possible, uh, depending on how the board falls, that that the Eagles could be a team interested in maybe moving down a few slots and, and acquiring some picks for sure. Bo Wolf with us here on the Black and Blue Report. All right, Bo, how are you going to spend the three days of the NFL draft? Are you pitching a tent there at the Eagles facility? Are you uh, in some secret bunker? What's your plan? Well, we're actually uh, we have a live show throughout the entire draft, uh, starting Thursday night all the way through Saturday. Eagles draft live on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. It should actually uh, be a lot of fun. We've got uh, Dave Spadaro, Merrill Reese, the voice of the Eagles, will have uh, presence at, at Radio City, and then uh, myself and uh, Greg Cosell from NFL Films will be there all weekend, providing coverage along with uh, a rotating cast of characters like uh, Ross Tucker uh, and uh, Tony Pauline from DraftInsider.net. Great coverage there. We'll check it out, that's for sure. Bo, thanks so much, and enjoy your time uh, leading up and to and through the draft there. No problem, guys. And if you have any more Saints to send our way, let us know. <laughs> I think that'll be good for now, Bo. Nice nice try. <laughs> Bo Wolf with us from PhiladelphiaEagles.com. We'll have, of course, uh, extensive coverage on NewOrleansSaints.com during the draft next week, and we'll pick up more with our draft preview series when we check in with the Bengals here shortly on the Black and Blue Report. You've just been told you have a serious heart issue, congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is... I just saw your test results, and they look great. No problems. Leading Edge Care. Just one more reason to choose an auctioner-affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. All right, welcome back to the program today. Again, thanks to Bo Wolf from PhiladelphiaEagles.com for getting us up to speed on the Eagles at number 22. We're going to get the Chiefs a little bit later, but we'll move ahead here on today's show with uh, number 24, and that's, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals. And an old friend, one I haven't talked to in a long time, is with us on the program. That's the radio voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Hoare. Dan, good to talk to you again, my friend. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, and as you mentioned just a moment ago in our kind of pre-interview conversation uh, your timing was pretty good in uh, running up against the Bengals there. That's a pretty salty team at 11-5 and five last year in 3-3 three and three in the AFC North. Uh, that's a fun time for football fans right now in Ohio. 
Well, it's been a good time for Bengals fans. In the 90s, they were the joke of the NFL. Uh, they hired Marvin Lewis in the early portion of the 2000s, and they've been pretty respectable ever since, and better than that in the last three years. They've been to the playoffs each of the last three. They won their division and went undefeated at home during the regular season last year, but they desperately need to win a postseason game. They haven't won one since 1991. Marvin Lewis is 0-5 as a playoff coach, so just making it is no longer satisfying to Bengals fans. Who takes more heat, the coach that you just mentioned, or Andy Dalton, or another of uh, another reason, perhaps? Boy, that's a good question. It's probably an even split between Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton. I think that uh, Andy's playoff performances have certainly turned the heat up on him. He's been a very good regular season quarterback in the NFL with 30 wins in his first three seasons, but he's been absolutely awful in his three playoff games. And the fact that last year's playoff loss came at home when they were significantly favored against the San Diego Chargers really has turned up the heat on Andy. Dan Horton, the Bengals will be in New Orleans, of course, on November the 16th when they're here to take on the New Orleans Saints. All right, get me up to speed here, Dan, on the Bengals and what they need to do in the offseason. We're talking about a top-five defense and uh, an offense that, again, like you said, has failed to win that postseason game. So what did they all go after here, starting with the free agency period? Honestly, they have not done much in free agency, and I think it's something that a lot of Bengals fans are upset about. But what the Bengals have done very well over the past several years is re-sign the bulk of their good players while maintaining space under the cap. Last year in particular, they signed Geno Atkins to a long-term contract and did the same with Carlos Dunlap. So this offseason, their priority basically has been to try to get long-term deals done with A.J. Green. Um, Andy Dalton is also a, a consideration in, try, in terms of trying to extend his contract, and then also probably their best defensive player, aside from Geno Atkins and Vontez Burfecht. They have not uh, reached extensions with any of those guys yet, but they're saving room under the cap to make sure that they get all three done long-term. And in your eyes, much like the Jimmy Graham situation here, uh, Dan, are there any concerns on your part or the Bengals' part that they they won't be able to get any of those deals done? I don't think that there's any question that they'll get deals done with A.J. Green and Vontez Burfitt because they will pay whatever it takes to keep those guys, mm -hmm. as they did uh, last year with Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins. Andy Dalton, on the other hand, is an interesting situation. I think most Bengals fans would prefer – that the team allowed him to play out the final year of his deal this year, much like the Ravens did two years ago with Joe Flacco. If Andy has the kind of year that they hope he has and finally has some postseason success, it would cost them more money in the long term, but at least you would not be committing to a guy that you still have at least some doubts about. However, that does not appear to be the Bengals' plan. It sounds like they are going to try to get the deal done now and uh, hope that he matures into the kind of guy that they think he can be. All right, Dan Horde, then what do, they, what do they want to do then at number 24? What specific value is there for the Bengals in the late first round? I think it's highly likely that the Bengals will draft the best cornerback on the board at that point. Uh, they're okay at the position, but they've got uh, problems in terms of injury and age. Their best cornerback, Leon Hall, is coming back from a torn Achilles. He's torn his left and right Achilles in two out of the last three years. So even mm -hmm. though he's still a very good player and it looks like he'll be back in time for training camp, when you've got that kind of uh, injury history, you have to be a little bit worried. Their next best corner is Terrence Newman. He's just about uh, eligible for his AARP card, even though he's mm -hmm. still playing well. Uh, Adam Jones is their number three corner. He's had uh, quite the injury history, so you don't know if he can play all 16 games. 
They drafted a corner in the first round two years ago, and Drake Kirkpatrick out of Alabama, but he's been hurt, and he's just been average when he's had the opportunity to play. So I think if there's a guy uh, at 24 that they like as first-round talent, that is almost certainly going to be their pick. Well, there's a guy out of Ohio State that might be there for you, and Roby, is that is there any sentimental um, feeling about that particular player at 24? Not because he's an Ohio State guy, but the Bengals do like big college guys with their early draft picks. They rarely go for a small school guy in the early rounds. They like somebody they've seen compete against elite competition, uh, guys that have been part of good coaching staffs and are well-trained. So not because he's an Ohio State guy, but because he is a, a guy from a major school that's played against elite competition, that would make him a likely candidate if he's there. Interesting philosophy. All right, as we mentioned, uh, Dan, you're here on November the 16th. Uh, I know that you've already broken down the schedule, I'm sure, extensively, at least, at least road-wise. Um, what, what do you like or what strikes you about the Bengals' schedule coming up here? Uh, it's brutal at the end and relatively easy early on. This is a year where, on paper, they've got to get off to a great start because they finished with six of their last eight on the road. They play the Steelers twice in the last four weeks. They can't have a so-so record going into their final stretch of the season and expect to come out okay. Now, having said all that, that was the exact same thing that everybody said about the Bengals two years ago. Mm-hmm. And as it turned out, that's not the way it played out at all. They were 3-5 and five, uh, with a schedule that looked like it was going to be brutal in the second half. But you know how things go in the NFL. Teams that you expect to be great aren't always great. We saw it with the Falcons last year. We've seen it with a team or two every year. So, again, on paper, you would think they've got to get off to a great start, but the NFL can be very unpredictable. Nice, nice stuff. Uh, any uh, favorite spots in New Orleans, or do we need to get you a, uh, a proper scouting report when we turn into November? <laughs> you know what? Uh, New Orleans, for many, many years, has been uh, my favorite place in the country, my wife and, and my favorite place in the country to go for a three-day weekend. So I've hit all of the uh, hot spots, or at least most of them, and uh, Look forward to gaining about 10 pounds on my next visit. Good call on that one. Why not? Loosen the belt a little bit and come on down. I like that attitude. Uh, Dan Horton with us, the radio voice of the Cincinnati Bengals. I hope that you'll let us uh, call on you again as we get into the regular season, Dan, and, uh, and, and enjoy the draft and the rest of the offseason. Anytime. I look forward to it. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Dan Horton with us from the Cincinnati Bengals as we get our draft preview series almost to the end here. We'll have, of course, the Chargers tomorrow and a whole lot more. But up next, here on the Black and Blue Report, we'll turn our attention toward the Pelicans and check in with Jim Eichenhofer. up your day with mud bucks went up to two thousand dollars must be at least 21 to purchase the body's just getting started y'all are you ready for mud bucks here we go pick up mud bucks today that's how we do it down here 
there's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level, and the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300, with lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. This is Pelicans guard Drew Holiday, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Let's turn our attention to basketball again, and uh, specifically Pelicans and Pelicans.com. We haven't checked in with Jim Eichenhofer for quite some time on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, the chief writer for Pelicans.com joins us here in Studio B this morning. Jim, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too, Sean. Thanks for having me. I know. It feels like a long time. It's only been, what, two weeks since the end of the regular season, but man, it feels like a month to me. It really does. I mean, there's been so much that's gone on in the last couple of weeks. It's, I mean, after going through the whole season, it, it feels like it's been forever since the last game was played. Yeah, yesterday we talked to head coach Monty Williams, got the chance to catch up with him. Um, and maybe, Jim, let's start with the playoffs. You know, what's happened since the end of the regular season? You know, last night the the Clippers win an emotional game in Los Angeles, obviously. They go up 3-2. to two. Memphis is surprising everybody. They're up 3-2 now on the Thunder after playing a fourth straight overtime game there. And lo and behold, the Washington Wizards are off to round two. I mean, these last two weeks in this first round of the playoffs have been nothing short of thrilling, at least in my eyes. Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, you touched on two or three of the biggest stories so far. And there's there's so many other things that have gone on that you can't even you haven't even gotten to. Like, I mean, the fact that like the Hawks are up. 3-2 as an 8 seed. The fact that the Mavericks, as the, the other 8 seed, were, were up two games to one. I mean, there was a point in time where it looked like both 8 seeds might win, and Dallas still you know, has a very good chance of, of knocking off the Spurs in that series. So it's, it's almost hard to digest everything that's happened so far in the first round. There's been so many good series, and a lot of people have said, people have been around a lot longer than me, have said that this is the best first round of the NBA playoffs they've ever seen. So I mean, that, that says a lot right there. It's definitely the most interesting and competitive that I can remember ever seeing. And, and no one's talking about the defending champs who easily dispatched the Bobcats in four straight. So Miami gets all this time off, Jim, and uh, and everybody else is paying attention to the other series around them. Yeah, I mean, it's if you're a Heat fan, you got to love the way that the first round has unfolded. Not only did you sweep, but... Uh, Brooklyn is going to have to play a long series, or it could be Toronto even that ends up winning that series. And either way, it's going to be a six or seven game series. So, I mean, the Pacers have Pacers look like they could be knocked out in the first round, which means that if that happens, the Heat have home court advantage just like that throughout the rest of the Eastern Conference playoffs, at least. And it's just, uh, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better scenario right now so far for Miami of what's happened in the first two weeks of the playoffs. Jim, I can offer with us from pelicans.com. All right, Jim, let me ask you this. Did you, did you write down or mentally make a note of who you thought would, would uh, emerge from the first round and how has that opinion changed now two weeks in? Wow. I, I think uh, I didn't, I didn't really, you know, write down predictions per se, but um, I think the, the thing from the first round that struck me so much is just how even it is. I feel like, one through sixteen, there, there. I can't remember there ever being a time where there was such a such a narrow margin between the best teams and the teams that you thought 
didn't have a chance really to go very far. So, I mean, there's there's definitely I definitely didn't think I thought Atlanta could give Indiana a good series, but I definitely think I didn't think Atlanta could could actually beat them. But I think they right now I you have to you have to think that they they have a really good chance going back home to do that. Um, a cu- I didn't think I honestly thought the Spurs would would make relatively quick work of Dallas, so that was surprising to see Dallas ahead two one and now two two. Um, I thought Oklahoma City would probably beat Memphis, and you know that series has has gone the the opposite direction. And Memphis, to me, after watching every single game of that series, Memphis looks like the better team, which I probably wouldn't have expected going in. So um, Brooklyn, Toronto, I thought Brooklyn would probably beat them in like five or six games, even though I'm a little partial to the Raptors just because that was the the closest uh, NBA city to where I grew up in in uh, New York. But so I mean, there's there's been if if I had written down, um, I would say I would have been wrong on a lot of these picks because there hasn't. There's hardly been anything that's gone according to form. I think the Heat Bobcats series that we alluded to is probably one of the few, maybe the only series so far that people said this is the way it's going to go and it's gone that way. Yeah, I guess I'm probably in the same boat as you. I think the only thing that stands still true to me is is I thought that most every series in the West would go at least six and probably seven games, and that seems to be to be the case. Uh, Jim, let me ask you about Pelicans.com since since the end of the regular season. The team's website has uh, undergone a pretty major overhaul. Uh, one of the things that are prominent there on the front page are your uh, season and review capsules. Uh, most of those are, are player recaps. Tell me a little bit about the project you've been working on with that. Sure. Well, it's really something that we do every year um, right after the season's over. It's definitely a good way to, to kind of recap what happened over the previous six or seven months. Um, we've already done a few, Anthony Davis, Tyreek Evans, um, Eric Gordon, and basically it's just uh, you know recapping what happened, looking back at some of the best games that each guy guy played during the season, and um, just kind of giving an overview of the season. I think one of the things that unfortunately stands out when you go back and look at the year and you look at guys individually is just how frustrating it was to have so many of the main guys miss so many games, and but also the fact that there's been a lot of there were a lot of other players that had you know, much bigger chances to play than you would have possibly imagined going into the season. Did anything surprise you, at least so far? Um, I think maybe just to, to re- like, when when you go through the season, you, 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 you understood that, man, there were a lot of injuries and there was, but I think probably the main thing is just how little amount of time that the, the main five guys, the, t- the top f- five scorers on the team were actually able to play together. Um, if you look at the, at the, if you look specifically at the numbers when those f- five guys were all healthy, which was a very brief amount of time, they were extremely impressive as on offense, and um, just, it, but it was just it was such a small sample, I guess, which is something that Monty and Dell have have touched on a little bit is just that it was it was a brief amount of time, but uh, but when you look back on it, it's like man, that was real, that was even shorter a span of time than I even thought. It was only a few weeks that. Those guys got to actually play together. Did when they when they played together? Did it translate into wins? And I and I'm having and the reason I ask is because I'm having a hard time remembering that stretch. Sure, I mean it's understandable they played about fifty or sixty games after that. But um, I think one of the stats there's a couple stats that that stood out to me that to make a long story short summarized some summarized the situation. 
Ryan Anderson played 22 games. They went 12 and 10 during that stretch, even though a lot of those ga- a lot of those almost all of those losses actually were against some of the best teams in the West. And even though there were, I think there was a bigger chunk of road games during that stretch than at home. So that was one of them. I think another one was that when Drew Holiday had 10 assists or more, the Pelicans were eight and one. And I think I, I want to say almost all of those games were while the uh, the whole the core of those five scores were together. So when you put Ryan, when you put Ryan Anderson on the floor and you put Drew in a situation where he had a lot of options, a lot of guys to go to, I think it did translate to wins, but you know, it was, it was just a situation where it wasn't a big enough body of work to really make too many conclusions. You mentioned earlier that there were several players that got chances, I guess, that, that probably would not have been there if it had not been for all the injuries this season. Was there one player in particular, or maybe there's more than one, um, that maybe took the most advantage of that situation after you broke everything down? Yeah, I would say if I had to pick one guy, I'd probably go with Anthony Morrow because at times in the beginning of the season he was getting DMPs or he had games where he only played 10 or 15 minutes. Um, During the stretch in March where they kind of took off and had a really good span of a, a lot of good home wins, he had some huge games. He, he made some big shots that I think people remember against Brooklyn and um, the Clippers a couple a couple games right around that time in March. So if I had to pick one guy, I would say him. But um, an, I think Brian Roberts was probably another guy that had the biggest jump as far as what you how much you expected him to play and how much he ended up playing with Drew Holiday missing the last uh, 50 or so games of the season. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. Those numbers certainly jump off the page. Well, Jim, what's next for you? I know that the off season really isn't the off season when you're covering this team 365 days of the year. Uh, how many more player capsules do you have to do? And then what else is on the on the desk there? I think we have about maybe 10 more to do of the of the 14 or 15 guys, and then um, the the draft lottery is May 20th. So I've already started looking at that a little bit. Um, to see, you know, the Pelicans have a four percent chance of moving into the top three. So I've I'll be doing something, some previews on that with some of the other guys in the league that cover some of the other teams that are in the lottery. And I think the big thing for me, which is the case every year, is I'm I'm already starting to look forward to to Las Vegas Summer League, which is uh, which starts July 11th. So I'll be going to uh, Las Vegas for that, and you know always look forward to getting to see all of the the top draft picks play in person, to see some of the young guys on the Pelicans and see how they how they do and how much they've improve from the previous season so those are probably the main things right now that I'm that I'm excited about and looking forward to in the next few months well good stuff I'll keep tracking the player capsules as they come in at pelicans.com Jim Eichenhofer from pelicans.com with us uh, Jim I, I do have to ask you how did you survive your first weekend of traveling to every game of the year my first weekend your first season excuse oh, me okay um I thought it was it was it was a really interesting experience I have a ton more it, respect for the people that have gone through 82 games year after year. Um, I think one of the biggest things that surprised me, even though I knew a little bit about this going in, was just how many nights that you're getting to sleep at 1 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the morning. And so it, it gives me a, it gave me a little bit of a different um, vantage point on the players and, and some of what goes into them being successful or not successful as a lot of teams aren't on the road because I'm just sitting at a keyboard and I'm going to, and me going, going to sleep that late 
makes me feel so tired. I can't imagine like how much of a cumulative effect that has on the players at, you know, night after night on the road, some of the four or five game road trips where you're going to sleep so late continuously. But overall it was, it was an amazing experience for me to get to just see all of these different, all the different arenas and get to see the way all the different teams in the league operate. So, I mean, it was, it was great. I'm just hoping that next year is a, you know, we're going to get to see a healthier team and that's going to, I'm sure result in uh, better success on the road. No doubt, no doubt. I think that all helped uh, the readers uh, and viewers, of course, of all things at pelicans.com. Check out all this stuff that Jim Eichenhofer is putting together for you right there on the team website. Jim, we'll check in with you. How about in another week or two? And uh, who knows who'll be left in the playoffs at that point? Sounds good, Sean. I'd be glad to uh, stop by any time. You got it. Jim Eichenhofer with us in Studio B here on the Black and Blue Report today. We'll be back to wrap up this edition of the show right after this. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm gonna hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Thanks to the internet, anyone can get a show these days. Good show today. Learned a lot more about some draft needs across the NFL. Of course, we'll pick up our coverage of that draft preview series tomorrow and welcome in probably two to three more teams. We've got to get things wrapped up here this week on Black and Blue Report for everybody uh, not named the New Orleans Saints because next week it's going to be all Saints when we talk about the NFL Draft starting on Monday's Black and Blue Report. Thanks again to Jim Eichenhofer today for stopping by to talk a little Pelicans with us and the latest doings on Pelicans.com. Keep in mind the NBA playoffs continue tonight, and we'll be watching as uh, that series or uh, several of the series continue now, and we'll turn our attention more toward the East. And, of course, Dallas and San Antonio take center stage as we get ready to wind up round number one here through the end of this week. For Daniel Sowerson, I'm Sean Kelly. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you right back here for No Appointment Radio, the Black and Blue Report, yours most every weekday, most of the time right after noon central. And again, you'll never know who stops by without checking out our Twitter accounts at Black Blue Report. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with you starting tomorrow as we continue our coverage here from 5800 Airline Drive in Metairie. I'm Sean Kelly, saying so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.